0: This is the first part of our chat about a Sunday afternoon at home. Enjoy.
1: This isn't the BBC Light programme.
0: The Tony Hancock Appreciation Society presents ooh, very nearly an armful a Tony Hancock podcast. <laughs>
2: Welcome to Very Nearly An Armful, brought to you by the Tony Hancock Appreciation Society. On the podcast, we'll
3: be discussing Tony's famous show, Hancock's Half Hour.
4: We'll discuss the show, the production, and what we liked about it. We
0: rate and review the episode, and just generally get our geek on about vintage comedy. We're your hosts. I'm James Griffith. I'm Martin Gibbons. I'm John Street. And I'm Tim Elms.
3: And we're spread across the south of the UK, in line from Wiltshire to Essex via Kent. And our members are spread all over the world. We have members in Wokingham, Nottingham, Dillingham and Nottingham. (laughs) (laughs) I've been practicing that
5: all week.
0: (laughs) Excellently done, Mr. Elms. And in this podcast, we'll be discussing arguably one of the most hilarious, almost plotless half hours, all about sitting around on a rainy day with nothing to do. The highly regarded classic A Sunday Afternoon at Home. This was originally broadcast on Tuesday the 22nd of April 1958 at 8:31, 1 pm. This was also the first episode to be released on LP alongside The Wild Man of the Woods in April of 1960. First of all chaps, what's everyone been up to this week?
2: Well, this has been quite a busy week. This week, we've started the uh, middle of the week. Last week, went to see the brilliant Mark Brailsford in the lad himself at Highgate. It was a, a really good performance, great show. And looking at all of the press surrounding it, it's uh, it's been getting lots of plaudits. So that uh, was a, that was a brilliant show. And then later in the week, Tim and I attended Riverside Studios first of all for a plaque unveiling which commemorates three shows made at the BBC Riverside Studios Doctor Who, Blue Peter and Hancock's Half Hour so it's great that Hancock's Half Hour has got uh, got a mention and the the plaque was unveiled by Whispering Bob Harris who it was uh, it was great to meet Tim wasn't it?
3: It was great yes it was a fantastic evening Uh, the Riverside Studios obviously that's where Hancock's Half Hour was first made back in the uh, 50s i think it's from the second series onwards they made hancock's half hour there i mean obviously the studios back then were very different what the modern facility that exists today so as part of their uh, bbc season at the riverside they've had this festival there so they've had this plaque unveiling they've got a an art exhibition of photographs from various bbc programs and uh we was able to put up a display of, of items there as well. So it's, it's all part of that. The plaque is on the wall outside the studios. So if anyone is uh, walking by, you can have a look at it. And it's uh, it's it's it was a great occasion. And uh, Whispering Bob was on top form. We also had um, a couple of Doctor Who assistants there for the unveiling, didn't we? We did. Fraser Hines and Carol Carol, whose surname I will dub in later, <laughs>
0: Carol Ann Ford,
3: the first companion. Carol Ann Ford, the first yeah. companion.
2: That was it. Yes,
3: and uh, so she she was there, and they they were both looking uh, young and sprightly,
2: and not forgetting not forgetting little Ted. Well, I was just going
3: to say, the star of the show was little Ted <laughs> from um, Play School, who made a personal appearance. Apparently, um, little Ted first appeared in 1968. So uh, little Ted is now a pensioner. But there you go. Yes, it, that was great. Do
0: you have a selfie with little Ted hanging in your toilet no, now, Tim? I didn't get the opportunity oh, for no. that. No. What a pity. No,
3: I had pictures taken with Martin, which wasn't quite so much fun, but I'd, I'd have liked to have had one with little Ted.
0: <laughs> Indeed you would.
2: And then we were back there a couple of days later, Martin. We were back there on Saturday uh, to the Riverside as part of the exhibition of the celebrations, put on three Hancock's Half Hour episodes, 12 Angry Men, Lord Byron Lived Here and The Missing Page on a big cinema screen and it was a full cinema experience with yep. uh, trailers and adverts to start with. Uh, and then um, we had Hancock's Half Hour on the on the big screen and Tim and I were um, privileged to be able or to be invited to introduce the three episodes and then to host a, a Q&A session afterwards, which uh, I think we were all quite staggered, ran to between 35, 40 minutes after. So lots of lots of really good questions from the audience and it was a, it was a great event.
3: It was very well attended too, I think it certainly, we I think we and the Riverside Studios were a bit apprehensive about how many people might attend such an event. We had a, a lot of uh, responses from people on social media and that saying they're gonna come and we had a lot of our members there. And But in the end, it was very well attended. It, it was a fantastic afternoon. Um, and as Martin said, lots of questions, lots of interest and uh, it, it all went off very well. So we were we was absolutely pleased with that. And of course it was great to see the episodes on the big screen wasn't it in such high quality as well the the chief productionist there mark had done a brilliant job what did he did he upscale it or something
2: upscaling yeah upscaling and and the the, the missing page in particular looked absolutely brilliant on the on the big screen you would never you could never tell that was uh, you know from a a television episode of the of the 1950s yeah. so it was brilliantly done.
0: Yeah, must have looked a lot better. I mean, I
3: I went to a screening a few years ago when they had some episodes on a big screen, and and it had sort of black lines across the screen because it'd just been taken from the DVD. But this was um, a different level altogether. It was it was very good, very good, indeed. very
2: professionally done.
5: Mm, and yeah. I, and
2: I think we should should add. I know Tim mentioned that we'd got the Hancock archive display from the society, which which Tim brilliantly put together in a in a really quite significant size display unit with some nice display at the top and then lots of uh, archive displays in the drawers that you can pull out and that is available to look at in the uh, in the cinema area right the way through the length of the photographic exhibition which i can't remember the date that runs through to
3: i think it goes through to the something like the 24th of july i think it is it's uh, certainly yeah. the back end of july and you don't have to be going to a show there to go into the studios. There's a there's a coffee shop, there's a bar, there's restaurants. You can just wander in, have a drink, and have a look at the uh, have a look at the photographs and have a look at their archive stuff if that's what you want to do. Um, it's a, it's a great place to go, and it's beautiful setting right on the uh, on the River Thames. Yes, we, we we did sit outside and have a nice glass of wine outside, didn't we,
0: Martin? That
2: was quite, quite pleasant. We certainly did. That was very nice in the <laughs> afternoon in the afternoon sunshine. So that was very
0: good. A little bit warmer then, and then after the lad himself, which uh, which we all went along to. Yes, uh, which was a, a lovely play all about Tony. wasn't too maudlin, um, but had some some lovely moments in it. And he's in a theatre, which is one of those sort of theatres above a pub, so it's sort of a one you know, hundred and fifty seater or something like that. So reasonably small. I, I had the chance to speak with uh, the, the lead, Mark Brailsford, and record a little bit for a podcast, which I shall pop in here. That's am going to say now. So we, we do a, a podcast about Tony Hancock, which we've done for the last couple of years. And lockdown of and we couldn't get out of the Oh, of course. And yeah, good. No, it's brilliant. Yes, yeah, good. And, uh, and yeah, so you, yeah, just sort of... It's, would you be quite pleased with the, the first night of your, your show? The it went so fast, I, I
6: haven't actually called my breath or the thoughts yet because um, it, it's the first night tonight, as you've probably gathered. Um, and we've been rehearsing rehearsing, it's the first time we put it in front of an audience, and to do the opening night at the same time with that previews mm-hmm. so was actually a lot of pressure mm-hmm. because we, we've only got ten shows, so I wanted to get us up and running quickly. So it was a little bit... <laughs> because it was um, our first version of this in front of an audience, so... It's hard to gauge at this point, but it seemed that the audience enjoyed it very much, and, and that's a, a joy. And I'm relieved to hear people sing its praises. So thank goodness.
0: Yeah, and it's a, it's a great it's a great little show. It's sort of obviously focusing on and the, the sort of the darker elements, but also some positive elements of Tony's life and yeah. Yeah. It's, It is more of a a drama and out and out comedy, but with, you know, sort
6: of humorous. Yes, it should have both like good, good dramedy is now the modern phrase for it. But drama and comedy together actually emphasizes and and highlights both. And for the story of the lad himself, uh, Roy Smiles wrote this one of his first plays, actually. Mm. And and Roy, bless him, he's not here tonight, unfortunately. And uh, lots of love, Roy. Um, He uh, and I are both massive Hancock fans. And one of the big things about the play for us both is very much how it redeems our love of him. Not, not redeeming, 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 that we love him so much, we wanted to show a happy ending in some way. Give him some, our feeling of closure for our love of Tony. It's a love letter to Tony Hancock and the writing of Gordon Simpson. Mm. And it's very much um, a, a, a process of expressing how much we've admired and been inspired by, I think the greatest comedian that Britain produced of that era, era, certainly, you could argue the modern era's got different you know, comedians now better, so in some respects, but I don't think you can ever really top what Tony Hancock did because at the time, it had never been done. Gordon Simpson, it never happened. It was new, it was exciting, it was the most famous superstar in British comedy and still sets the tone for modern comedians now. That's the interesting thing. We've had lots of modern stand-ups have come to us and see the show, we did Brighton and Edinburgh, saying, I'm a huge Hancock fan. And then these, the new mm-hmm. the youngster's coming, up and that's, that's fantastic. And it's our love letters to Tony Hancock.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a great show because you did it originally about, what, 10 years ago at the end? Yeah, the year, it ended, it. It? Yeah. I didn't see it at the time, of course, but uh, it must be quite interesting to come back to it sort of a decade later. And mm-hmm. do, you, do you feel more in tune with it now than you did then or do you? Do well, you I'm older <laughs> for yeah. uh, Well, we did it in Edinburgh
6: 2012 and then we did it in Brighton in 2015. And we won the Brighton Fringe Award for that, which was lovely. Um, and the, the, the weird thing about coming back to it now was we were trying to do it earlier. We wanted to come to London. Yeah. The pandemic hits. Well, indeed. And sadly, you know, we know what happens. Um, and for example, it took too long to come back to get it on because of that as well. And also sadly, Barry Cryer, for example, he came and saw it in Edinburgh and loved it. And, you know, he said, he you know, get it on London, I'll come and see you. He would have been here tonight, bless him. So sadly, yeah, exactly. he's not here. Um, but one of the, you know, another honour, you know, one of the great comedy writers. And actually, I don't. Uh, you probably know the story. I don't know if you know. It's a bit of an exclusive for your podcast, maybe. But um, after the show, Barry Cryer came backstage, and it was lovely. He said it was wonderful. I loved it. And he, we went and got pissed together after the show. It was brilliant. And then he told me a story. He said, "If Hancock had come back from Australia in 1968, him and Eric Idle were lined up to write a new show." Hancock it was going to be Tony Hancock's comeback
5: mm.
6: and I think that would have been amazing sadly Great. Tony didn't come back.
0: that's that's life isn't it you know it's one of those things yeah you know, unavoidable but uh yeah and it's uh and I love the story as well you're saying that the the hat and the hat coat props that you've got for this show cost a few quid uh yes
6: yeah, so, so we uh have the, the original I mean the costume was, was a possibility at one point but we thought now it's too fragile to, to, to performance in which was really amazing. Mm. But we hired costumes from a lovely place called Gladrags, all great. And then our costume designer, Sean Chapman, who does an amazing job for us. He, I'm also the artistic director of the Brighton Shakespeare Company. It's one of the other jobs. And um, he's our costume and designer for that. And he's, he really went for it with trying to find this astrakhan. We were struggling to find the astrakhan because, you know, they're wild creatures, you know. The wild creatures inhabit the wilds of Scotland. They're hard to find. Anyway, so uh, we couldn't find the astrakhan. <laughs> So we had to buy a really expensive astrakhan coat off eBay and cut it up, and then attach it to the hired black coat. But now it looks amazing because it looks, it is an Astrakhan oh, coat. It, yeah. it is like Tony Hancock's coat, and the Homburg is a problem which actually fits my head, which is a remarkable feat.
0: Indeed, yeah, uh, it's. Uh... I, it's a lovely show. Everyone, I think, your forecast you play like nine or ten roles. So you do week. Well,
6: I've got to say that as well. Thanks yeah. for mentioning that because um, what is an honour and a privilege for me is to work with these guys because these are brilliant guys to work with. They're, they're brilliant actors, and it's a team show. It isn't just me playing Uncle. It's not a one-man show, mm. and I think that that's a, a benefit to the show because you recognise their archetypes and the, the history. Uh, so, Roy. When he wrote the play he drops in the references for all of the Hancock fans who know the series will know immediately who these people are and who they're based on and all of the tropes that crop up in all of the Hancock's episodes and from Hancock's half hour right through to the tv shows of just Hancock as you know obviously they lost the last you know, half hour thing at the end and, the, and you can see the archetypes and the Patricia Hayes character for example Sarah has got her voice bang on and the guy playing the clown at the end you know but it's, it's never it was never meant to be exactly Sid James but he just gives him the hymn so hint. you're doing yeah. as an
0: audience you're enjoying that, like that and, a and sort England of a South African Cockney as you say precisely the 100% genuine South African Cockney or Solomon Cohen
5: himself
6: <laughs> Yeah, well, yes yeah. well you know your stuff
1: I do know my stuff yeah
6: I mean well, I mean Sid James wonderful you know and and he was obviously as we all know gutted that you know what did not continue and yeah and i mean interesting i rewatched the the freeman interview the other day just to re re-top just top up again my knowledge and
5: yeah
6: and you look at that and you go oh you know i loved hang up even more you know and you just look at the the people he worked with who loved him and you realize that we all knew how great he was i didn't work with was you know those people knew and i loved those people too and if only he'd known yeah. i hope at some point he did know because I love Tony Hancock, I, I, I worship him. So it's a privilege to play this part, and it's my favourite role I've played. I've played many roles and I've been in the showbiz forty years, man mm-hmm. and girl, uh, and and it's just insane the number of roles I've played. But you know, this is my favourite role um, because I'm paying homage to a great with a team of people and a lovely theatre here in Highgate, uh, and they've looked after us. John here has been brilliant. And um, it's lovely to see you
0: guys here too. Indeed. It's been a fantastic show and uh, we, we wish you all the, all the best. I hope it, it continues and... Uh, so do I. It's cool, I think, <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, it's got to, you've got to pay the bills somehow. Any you? any rich producers <laughs> out there, we need a backer to take us to the West End. Indeed. Well, thank you very much indeed, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure. it to be an Thank you. Yeah. It was fascinating as well to hear from Mark there about how Barry Cryer and Eric Idle were going to write a series for Tony when he came back from Australia. Because I'm, I'm sure I've, I've read that Barry mentioned that before. If only that had happened, what a comeback mm. that would have been! Written by two fantastic writers. There's there's so many if onlys with Hancock, isn't there? There is indeed, isn't there? That, that's mm. life, as Esther Ranson mm. used to say. <laughs> so I suppose we shall move on to our main subject of a Sunday afternoon at home.
3: Let's do that. And mm. Play the music. <laughs> One of the best things, I think, about this episode is actually the start of it. I actually, mm. I love the start, the fact that it's so unconventional, and um, what people must have made of it back in 1950-whatever, mm. I, I, I just don't know. It's some little time before the first proper words are spoke, isn't it? Um, and he just starts off with all this ooh and ah in thing. Oh,
7: dear. <sighs> oh, dear. Ah oh dear, oh dear. Ah, oh dear me Stone me what a life. What's the time? Two o'clock? Is that all? Dear me! <laughs>
3: <laughs> but interestingly, the the audience are really with him, aren't they? They're they're, they're laughing at him mm. early on. You know, I'm not sure whether they've been told the plot in advance, but uh, it's not until about a minute or so in that he happens to mention that it's Sunday afternoon, does it? Yeah. But um, that's right,
2: because it's all size at the beginning, and yeah. And I think there's a stone me, what a life yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so there's just nothing happening other than clearly he's totally and utterly fed up
0: you can imagine though there must be tittering he must have you know because that whole thing of a comedian coming on stage up to the microphone going oh dear is that the time yeah. you know he's, he's yeah. in and of itself yeah. funny i mean that's like bill kerr's thing he used to go up saying i'm only here for four minutes don't know about you mm-hmm. but i'm going to read the paper um and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that so it's uh that was a very good Australian accent, John. I'm quite impressed yeah, with it. No. I'm not too bad at my Australian accent. Not quite <laughs> so good as Seth African, but it's all up in the front of the teeth, so I understand. <laughs> um,
2: that was pretty good as well. Yeah.
0: I'm oh, a strange <laughs> man with strange voice.
2: Well, I'm only here for
0: four minutes.
4: <laughs> I'm tired. I've been breathing
3: all day. (laughs) I've got a cold. Uh, I'm a half-breed. I breathe through one side of my nose.
0: That was Bill Kerr in Variety Bandbox on the 13th of November 1949. It is great that kind of a whole. Oh dear, and that that using dead air. I mean, that was quite revolutionary, really. It's almost dead air this size and and all those sort of noises, isn't there? But it it's uh, possibly the first time that ever really was used for that length of time.
2: I think so. I think it's it's the first real time that you've got silences on the radio, which was hmm. absolutely revolutionary at the time. Um, I don't think anyone had done that before. An, in, an incredibly brave thing to do, to, to do a half hour with no plot and prolonged silences. And and you listen to the audience, and as you say, they're with him all the way through, laughing through the silences. Um, the silences themselves are generating the laughter. Although, of course, you can only imagine um, what he's doing facial expression wise or whatever, whilst the silences are, are going on. You can
4: imagine exactly that scene though, everyone sort of sat there, Sid reading the paper. <laughs>
8: Oi. What? Why don't you shut up, moaning, and let me get on with the paper? Well, I'm fed up, so you just said. Well, so I am. Look, so am I fed up, and so is Bill fed up. We're all fed up, so shut up, moaning, and make the best of it.
4: Bill. God, knows what Bill was
6: doing. <sighs> what about a game of Monopoly?
7: Yes, yes, bags me be the boot. No, I want to be the boot. You'll get my boot if you don't stop arguing. <laughs> you are the steamship. Sydney is the racing car, Miss Pew is the top hat, and I am the boot. Right, who starts?
1: No one. You lost the board.
7: <laughs> we lost the board So we can't play Monopoly either No
4: But you just imagine all Saturday. It's really, it does, because there's a lot of silence You do build up a picture in your mind About what's going on Yes But it's
0: a good commentary as well Because I can remember Sundays has been incredibly boring when I was younger uh, Less so now, it's 24-7 yeah. sort of reality we're in now I always imagine Bill sitting there Stitching more corks onto his hat or something like that <laughs> You know <laughs>
7: What's the time? Uh, the little hand's on two and the big hand's on three. That's uh, three minutes past two.
0: <laughs> it is a quarter past two.
7: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <sighs> quarter past two. Another nine and three quarter hours before it's Monday.
0: But I don't know, I I, th- I think the boring Sunday should come back. I'd like a day where I could sit around doing nothing, there's nothing to do, And no, <laughs> but one day I'll get that. But, uh, Can I just say, with young children, absolutely not. Definitely not. That would be an absolute nightmare.
3: All you've got to do, John, is just switch everything off.
0: Yeah, that's what you've got to do. Switch everything off, sit in the garden with a book. Away from the technology, but the technology has flashy lights, so it's so appealing, that's the thing.
8: Why don't you sit down and relax? It's a day of rest. Have a kip or something, anything. But do me a favour and shut up.
2: (laughs) I mean, there were lots of complaints, I think, to say, you know, how dare you put a programme on that makes a, takes a, you know, the Mickey Old makes a mockery of, of the, the Sabbath day. And I think the uh, producer was very quick to point out that really? they had set it, they had set the programme Sunday afternoon, so it didn't clash with going to church.
4: Oh, wow, I didn't know that.
2: But yeah, there were, there were a, lot of complaints for, about, um, a lot of complaints about this episode. But, say, it was very definitely an afternoon one person wrote to the dg about
0: it how dare you take the mickey of the sabbath
3: oh, about the religious side yeah
0: um yeah but tom ronald the producer kicked back those complaints pointing out they were set in an afternoon so they might be bored but it was after they'd been to church and done all that holy stuff they had been to church in the morning absolutely of they had <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah definitely. funny
0: how times change isn't it yeah
2: it is yeah. although of course hancock yeah. hadn't because at the point hattie's first starts talking to him, he'd only been up an hour That's right (laughs) This is a fair
0: point That was Tom Ronald's Get out of jail free card That he decided to use And he he got away with it
7: Yeah I think I'll go to bed
1: You've only been up an hour
7: (laughs) That is by the way And nothing to do with it I might just as well be in bed There's nothing else to do I wish I hadn't got up now Your dinner wasn't worth Getting up for I'll tell you that for a start
3: (laughs) When we talk about Hancock's half hour Generally one of the things we say is about, oh, you know, Hancock was the master of the paws and he was able to hold it longer. And I think they'd been looking at this for a long time, but this is probably the first episode where it really came It really came out, didn't it? I can't, I mean, mm. I can't, th- a lot of the earlier episodes, particularly in this series, were like quite fast-paced episodes, weren't they? Yeah. And then in series four as well, we we had some as well, you know, the sort of things like, Wild Man of the Woods and Hancock in the Police and all that sort of stuff were, we're fairly fast-paced um, and quite riotous. And this one, it, it just seems it doesn't, of course, but it just seems to come out of the blue, doesn't it? You know, you've got this something. Here is something completely different, completely new in the middle of a very successful series. You know, it must must have sounded quite strange
7: to people at the time. And the time drag. <laughs> oh, I do eight Sundays. I'll be glad when it's over. Drives me up the wall just sitting here looking at you lot. Every Sunday it's the same. Nowhere to go, nothing to do.
0: Yeah, I think so. It's, uh, it's very different. It's quite modern for the, you know, it stands up as a modern, more modern comedy because comedy's like that. Sundays aren't like that necessarily anymore, but that whole thing of, I like that whole thing of having an annoying neighbour who comes round and outstays their welcome and just doesn't mm. stop talking. You're like, yeah, I kind of want to go to bed now. Off you go. Back to where you came from kind of thing. So... We want
2: to have our tea. And we need your chair. That's all right. I'll stand. Don't <laughs> don't <laughs> mind me.
7: Yes, I'm sorry you can't stop for tea, but we haven't got enough fish base
1: to go around. <laughs> no, I don't mind. You just go ahead. I'll just sit here. We need your chair. oh well, I don't mind standing. Go ahead and have your tea. There's no doubt about it when you have friendly neighbours like this, it makes a Sunday well worthwhile waiting for, doesn't it?
7: Yes, yes, just think we might have sat here all day, bored, stiff.
3: <laughs> Quite interesting about that. It's, it's not the Snide character, but it's a, no. it's a typical Kenneth Williams type character. But similar to Snide, he comes in at the end to give the programme a lift. he doesn't come in until 22 minutes yeah and one of the things gorton simpson said in defense of snide was that he would give the program a lift towards the end of the episode when they were starting to get a bit stuck Mm. um and it's a bit similar with this you know they've been sitting there moaning and sighing for 20 odd minutes and then the next door neighbor comes in and uh gives them something else to uh to complain about
4: i would love to have seen more of this character Clark, there's such a great Clark. name. You
0: don't. Yeah, and his wife, Rosita. Oh. What a pair of names yeah. they chose. Uh, yes. I don't know where they got... <laughs> yeah. They sound very American, don't they? You don't sit in here, Clark. <laughs> go around and see Mr. Hancock.
1: was <laughs> <laughs> the real reason I came in is because... Well, it gets a bit boring sitting in there on a Sunday afternoon by yourself. There's nothing much to do, is there? And Rosita said... Don't you sit down there by yourself, Clark. You go in. <laughs> go in and see Mr. Hancock and have a chat with him. I know it's always so lively in your house compared with the rest of the street. Oh, yes, madly gay, madly
7: gay, yes. <laughs> yes, we have quite a ding-dong going on here some weeks. The table wine flows like water.
0: Uh, Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> it's a different sort of voice, isn't it? It's quite a sort of a or kind of a... And he's... Under oh, impressions, you know. Oh, oh, really? I think someone pointed out <laughs> that as well that his first one, he goes, Moo! Very loudly yeah. into the microphone like that. And uh, <laughs> yeah. you wonder, and they wondered, and this was Matthew Lum who said on Facebook, he wondered if the rest of the cast knew quite how loud Ken's very first moo was going to be. Because it is, I mean, Ken was a show-off, so maybe he did that in rehearsal. Mm-hmm. But you might imagine not so that he could get the big laugh. He was a glutton for the laughs, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I suspect he probably did it in rehearsal, but it's, uh, it is good. I do impressions, you know.
1: <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a pig. And very good too. <laughs> I just just do them for my own amusement, you know. Obviously.
5: Moo. Oh dear, oh dear. Not
7: in me here, please. You frighten the life out of me.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Moo.
2: Moo. Moo. Moo certainly is a very loud moo to start off and then I can't remember how many animal noises he does in the seven hours or whatever that he's uh, that he's doing them. It's some, something like 400
0: yep. of they think is a lot it's, <laughs> it's not a small amount by any long stretch of the imagination
1: that was the splay-footed moor hen
7: oh well isn't that marvelous that's 600 animals you've done and we haven't even started on Africa yet
5: yeah. <laughs>
1: amazing the number of different impressions you can do in seven hours, isn't it? Did you realise it's nearly 12 o'clock? Is that all? I thought it was at least Tuesday. (laughs) All the casts in this are very good, aren't
3: they? I mean, we talk about Hancock's pauses and whatever, but Kenneth Williams at at the end is is, as great as Clark, but also people like Bill, Sid and Hattie join in the boredom very well indeed. They're they're not just feeding Hancock. I mean, they actually do it Particularly well. I mean, I, I think Sid more
7: than anyone actually. What's the time?
1: 20 past two Well, the
6: time's gradually going isn't it?
7: <laughs> Thank you very much <laughs> Here I've just thought when do you alter the clocks today do you put them forward or back
5: and um, forward? Ah,
7: ha, ha, ha. That'll get rid of another ah
5: <laughs>
7: <laughs> Give us the clock uh, 20 past three that's better soon be Monday. Well, i finished the paper. Now I've got nothing to do.
3: I wouldn't have thought it was his uh, his normal space to be, to, to do that sort of thing, but um, comes yeah. out of it very well indeed. If you throw in all
4: the elements, if you think of the, you know what people must have thought of the script when they first got this script, and mm. everything to come together, they must have had such confidence in the cast. And the BBC yeah. as well must have had such confidence in Golden Simpson that know four just over four million people will be listening to this episode where essentially a lot of dead air and a lot of silence but it's absolute it for me it's
0: a real yardstick yeah and Mm. that that fact that it's as you say it was about four and a half million or something like that which is a Mm. a pretty healthy audience back then it's a very massive audience now because people don't don't watch and listen real time these days but it's uh you know went out to a lot of people and um was obviously you know, quite popular, fifth series. The writers had the character, they all knew what they could do and their strengths and stuff. So they were written to their strengths by the time this series came around. And there's some lovely moments of Tony in there doing sort of various hums and songs like Only a Rose and Freight Train, Freight Train, Freight Train, Freight Train, Freight <laughs> Train, Freight Train,
7: Freight Train, "Ring Ding Ding, Ring, Ding 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 Ding, Ding Ding, Ding Ding, 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 Life came to Mrs. Wentworth. This <laughs> is of the last, a few stars. <laughs> On
8: your own, I believe you. On your own, smiling. I
7: took it to
0: eyes, And you wonder how much of that is out and lived. I mean there's one as well mm. where Sid Sid loses it and giggles yeah, it when does. he's going out it the does. Anton Warbrook <laughs> on the old piano there.
2: Uh, yeah, he loses it as Hancock's trying to sing the song, doesn't he? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Matthews pointed that out to me. Do you,
2: do you know what this one song is and he's trying to do all the song and it is it is hilarious what Hancock's doing and yeah, Sid um, you can very definitely hear Sid Corpsing in the background on that. <laughs>
7: What's it called, Sid? What's what called? This tune, this tune. Romsey <laughs> you bomb know. You know.
0: You know, don't you no, the f- don't know the... No, 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 You
7: know the film. Old Anton Warbrook on the piano there. No. Oh.
0: Yeah, you can. It's, a, it's a lovely little moments and things like that in there, but it does give the case very much... Um, Another chap on the on the face because hey, I asked questions called Mark Taha, if I've written that down right. I probably haven't. But he said it gave the case against the traditional British Sunday and why they were so boring, you know, everywhere's closed. Where's the Monopoly board? We've lost it, you know. Pubs open late, mm.
2: cinema showing old films.
0: The pianos closed and we've lost the key. That we've kind of just key. this <laughs> sort of tatty <laughs> yeah. house with virtually yeah. nothing in it.
8: Why don't you put the gramophone on?
7: That's an idea. <laughs> That's it, that's isn't that? Isn't that left hand? Mm. <laughs> the
5: spring's gone.
7: Who <laughs> can play the piano? Nobody, besides the lid's down and we've lost the key. <laughs> <sighs> Let's go to the pictures.
1: They don't open until half past four. It's Sunday.
7: Well, never mind, we'll go at half past four. What song?
1: Let me see. Royal team. Oh, Betty Davis and George Brent in Little Foxes and the Battle of Little Bighorn.
7: Oh, I've seen
4: them.
2: <laughs> Spring's gone on the gramophone.
4: Lost last nuts in the fire. And it's raining. And it's raining.
1: Oh, look! It started raining.
4: <laughs> That's all we wanted. <laughs> and Miss Pew's eating all the licorice all sorts. <laughs> oh, I love
2: that. <laughs> I love that because Hancock's singing, and I can't remember which of the songs he's singing, and he's just singing away, and then in that brilliant voice he says, "Where's my licorice all sorts?"
7: Freight train, freight train, freight train, freight train, freight train, ring ding ding, ring ding 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 ding, ding ding. Where's ding, my licorice all sorts? I had a quarter of licorice all sorts here in a paper bag on the mantelpiece. Where are they?
1: Oh, I am sorry. I've just eaten the last one.
7: You (laughs) gannet. They weren't even open ten minutes ago. You've shoveled the lot in. (laughs) You know how much I like the square ones with the black and white layers. I'll pass the nuts
2: over. Indignantly, it's just such a sudden shock after that little bit of singing that he's doing.
3: This is another episode where the original script is a lot longer than what mm. we actually listen to now. Oh, is it? I mean, I've got the uh, CD version and the uh, LP version, yeah. but there's a number of lines in the script that, that you don't hear in this. I mean, I don't know whether they appeared in the original one as broadcast or whether they were taken out before them. But um, a lot of good stuff was taken out.
4: The uh, little skit about the neighbour with the black eye. know oh, no, the, the, sorry, the landlord at the pub. Yeah. i wonder if they take taken a little bit out of that because it kind of jumps to the end of the story where he's drinking yeah. a lot and he's got a black eye
0: is that barmaid that he's got you know after
4: he insinuates he's been seeing the barmaid yeah, yeah. we'll have, yeah. have
7: to have a look but this one oh dear oh dearie me puts you right off beer she does <laughs> you want to get it down quickly and get out i told harry straight <laughs> i said "Harry, i said you've done wrong there getting rid of glennie's mm. there's no attraction coming in here now because your beer's rotten did you tell him that? Certainly, he didn't deny it. He's fallen right off that place. Well, the dark club's moved down to the bull. So why don't he get rid of it then? Well, I think there's something going on there. He had a black eye the other day and he's been drinking more. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's a shame. I like all lady. I like Harry too. But there you are, these women, once they get hold of your mate, there you are, that's the way it goes.
2: One of my favourite sequences in the episode is the bit about Hattie and her gravy. I
0: thought your mother was a bad cook, eh? A real classic, isn't it?
2: I mean, that's one of the best lines of Hancock's Half Hour ever, isn't it? It, it, it is, but if you look at the script, it's longer in, in the script. Oh, hey, really?
1: Well, I don't know. I ate all mine.
2: <laughs> that is neither here nor there. <laughs> and Tony says to Hattie, you ate... you talking about dinner. You, you also, also ate, ate bills, and bills and sids and mine. <laughs> How you got your teeth <laughs> through that roast beef, I shall never know. I can only assume you sharpened them up on the Yorkshire pudding. Hattie says, it wasn't my fault, it was frozen meat. And Tony then says, that joint was harder when you took it out of the oven than when you put it in. That meal, whichever way you look at it, was a complete fiasco. I thought
7: thought my my mother mother was a bad cook, cook, but at least her gravy used to move about. (laughs) Yours, yours just sort of, sort of lies there and sets... You're just yeah. lays there and sends. Oh, fantastic. I never oh, knew that. There's a lot more there,
4: isn't there?
2: So that's yeah. quite a bit extra in that.
3: There's quite a few bits like that right through the script. Yeah. But yeah.
4: well, that's the goodness in it, Martin. Yeah, it's half a pound, that's of, the half of, pound of flour. flour. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the thing. That's the goodness in it.
2: That's the half a pound of flour you put in it. <laughs> And it goes on to say, uh, that's half a pound of flour you put in it. I saw you shovel it in there. I thought you were going to plaster the room out. There's something wrong when you have to ask for another slice of gravy. It's not right. <laughs> yeah,
0: and in a lot of these scripts, of course, Martin, the scan versions that we have from Ray and Allen, which were kept in Ray's cellar, had lines drawn through them of uh, what they would cut out. Yes. And I wonder if those lines have those backwards Zs across them.
2: No, they haven't. Well, oh, maybe they were recorded and cut subsequently.
3: So it's possible. So it might be in someone's
2: loft, Martin. It might be in someone's loft. If you have a longer episode of Sunday Afternoon at Home, or indeed any episodes of South Hour, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, just in case there's some missing lines in, uh, in your edition
0: may well be. It might be. It was never, it was cut before broadcast or something if they overran, but... Uh, it's
2: quite possible. I yeah. think um, the version that's in the latest Hancock's Half Our Series CDs is marginally longer than the one in the earlier version. Yeah. It's got a couple of extra bits of Hancock doing his little singing bits. Yeah. Then it's got some um, Bill saying, if we had a dog, we could take it for a run. And I don't believe that was in the earlier...
3: It is in the earlier CD. That's the version I've got. Yeah.
2: Is that in the earlier one? Yeah. Oh, it is in there. Do you know what? I thought that was a new piece that was, uh, that was in. did not remember that piece from first time. If we had a dog, we could take him for a run.
7: <laughs> Why don't you go and clean your shoes or something?
0: Scrape the inside of the oven out. Yeah, it's probably, you know, a good 30, 31 minutes it runs to you. So you'd think we'd probably have the complete one. But you never know. You never say never because things do turn up now and again. You'd be surprised. And of course the other stuff about, you know, you could do some some chores you could do. I am not mending your bed again. Oh dear.
7: What a life. It's Sunday, I've had a rotten dinner, it's raining, and I've got nothing to do.
1: There's plenty of odd jobs you can do around the
7: house. Oh, shut up.
5: (laughs) It's
7: a day of rest. I'm not mending your
0: bed again. You know, you can imagine that might be bit might have been a bit longer possibly, but it's a lovely little thing of like, No, I don't want to do any chores, I'm bored, but I'm not gonna do something, you know, that's hard work, heaven forbid.
3: Have we spoken about the filling in the O's and the G's on the newspaper? I love that. We stuff. haven't. That's great, uh, isn't it? Yeah. I
0: thought do you not draw a couple of ears on and make a little face then, Tim? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's a great bit, isn't it? And then they talk yeah, about how is, the, yeah. you know, you got a pencil.
8: You got a pencil? Why? I thought I'd fill in all the O's and the D's and the P's and the G's on the front page. (laughs) You know, shade them in. Always do that when I've got nothing to do.
7: Do you do that as well? I sometimes make faces out of them. Get away. Yes, quite often. I put a pair of ears on the O's and a couple of eyes in the mouth. (laughs) I get quite anagonious at times. (laughs) You got a pencil in? No, I've got a pen.
8: No, that's no good. The ink spreads on a newspaper. <laughs> well, I just have to think of something else.
6: Uh, yeah. <clears throat> let's play beat your neighbors out of doors. <laughs> I said, let's play we beat We heard your... what you said.
7: <laughs> uh-huh.
6: Well, do you fancy
7: playing? Uh, look, we are grown men. We are not that desperate for something to while away the time. There are much more intelligent pursuits we could engage in. How do you play it?
3: (laughs) But there's so much detail involved in that, because at one stage, she says, if you've got a a pen or a pencil, he says, well, no, you can't do it with a pen because the ink runs. And that was absolutely true, because you didn't have ballpoints in those days. You had fountain pens. And if you tried to write on a newspaper with a fountain pen, then the ink just ran
0: everywhere. You've had it like blotting paper, yeah.
3: Yeah, and it sort of brings back memories of years ago, but it's that sort of detail um, that just makes it so good, isn't it?
0: That was part one of our chat and review of a Sunday afternoon at home. We'll be back in a fortnight with news, tweets, emails, and, of course, more chat about this most renowned of Hancock's Half Hour episodes. That's it for now, so take it away, Tim.
3: (laughs) Why not join us in the Tony Hancock Appreciation Society today? You can find us at tonyhancock.org.uk for all the information on how
2: to join. For just £13 a year, you'll have access to the members area of our website and receive four magazines a year by email packed with information on Tony, his shows and archive material.
4: Members also get a digital-only bonus page supplements every quarter, plus occasional special editions on a single theme.
3: Or you can have printed copies posted to your door for £16 in the UK or £26
0: worldwide. And we're a friendly and welcoming bunch, so please do join. We have reunion events with archive displays and occasional Zoom quiz nights. Please do
4: get in touch. We love questions and conundrums, compliments and feedback. To do so is very easy. Send your emails to podcast at tonyhancock.org.uk.
3: Keep an eye on our Twitter accounts for the latest news on the podcast and all things Tony Hancock. We have three Twitter accounts which are East Team Lad, Tony Hancock Appreciation Society and Very Nearly an Armful.
2: In our final episode this series, we'll be concluding our look at that brilliant classic, A Sunday Afternoon at Home.
0: For now, that's Very Nearly an Armful, so I'll say ta-ta.
2: It's Sayonara from me.
0: Chickadee Snitch.
3: And this is GOK London signing off for a Quick Cough and a Drag.
2: Right, who's
3: for a game of beat Your
0: Neighbours Outdoors?
2: How'd you play it? I don't know. (laughs) This has
0: been an official podcast of the Tony Hancock Appreciation Society. Unfortunately, it was not written by Alan Simpson and Ray Gordon, whoever they are. The announcer was me, Robin Sebastian, currently appearing in the saloon bar of the Hendon Racket.